What did you eat for breakfast? Okay, so for breakfast today, I made an omelet. Um, so I, I used two eggs, um, some tomatoes, some sweet peppers, some onions, and uh, put it in a frying pan, some coconut oil, stirred it up, mixed it up. It was good. Nice. Yes, that was breakfast. Sounds delicious. <laughs> you are listening to the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. Business, 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 Welcome to episode 16 of the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. This time I'm talking to Brian Hillica, a metal singer-songwriter based out of Michigan. Now this is a more serious episode as Brian talks about his upbringing and struggles with mental health, including periods of suicidal thoughts that thankfully he's been able to overcome. With this episode in particular, I really would implore you, the listener, to give me a review on iTunes, subscribe to the newsletter, and share with as many people as possible. If I can give just one person hope or the push to reach out for help with their mental health struggle, it would mean the world to me. As regular listeners will have heard me talk about my own struggles with mental health, and this topic and surrounding topics are central to one of the core goals of the podcast, which is to help people. As always, the website is musiconyourownterms.com. Facebook is facebook.com forward slash music on your own terms. And I'm on Instagram at Metal Doggy. M-E-T-A-L-D-O-G-G-I-E. Here's my conversation with Brian. Today on this episode, I'm joined by Brian Hillica, who's a musician. Um, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Um, normally, I do a bunch of research, um, but I thought today, since I don't really know much about you, um, I figured we'd just have a conversation and just find out, uh, you know, all about you and uh, see where the conversation takes us. If that's cool. That sounds so good. Why don't you start off? Cool. So why don't you start off introducing yourself and what you do? Yeah. Okay. So I'm Ryan Hilliker and uh, my genre is pretty much heavy metal. I'm a uh, singer songwriter. So um, maybe one of the closest things like mainstream that I, I think I could compare myself to maybe like stylistically is uh, Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails. The way um, he started out as kind of a, you know, a one person project thing, kind of like, a, you know, making recordings in his basement or garage or whatever. And that's kind of like me. And um, I consider myself to be in the heavy metal genre. And then in addition to uh, just being in that um, world of metal music, I'm also very passionate about mental health. And uh, I consider myself to be on a journey to um, 
I'm a lived experience myself who has uh, dealt with um, some uh, emotional abuse, some domestic violence in my past from a, uh, a, a family member, unfortunately. Um, that led me to um, struggle with uh, some suicidal ideation. And then mm. um, that was kind of my, uh, like, just in the last couple of years, struggled with that. And then from that, I've kind of worked my way through it. And I'm still on the journey. But um, as a result, like mental health means a lot to me. So suicide prevention, um, anything in the realm of like, uh, like advocacy for that and um, mental health stuff in general, because I feel like even a lot of abuse, a lot of times, uh, you know, for the victim, they struggle with their uh, mental health, but also the, um, you know, the abuser themselves is, in my opinion, just someone who uh, they do unto others what was done to them at one point. So it's like a, a continuous cycle um, of like, violence that just gets passed around so for me mental health as a whole is huge um and uh i myself have been to counseling in the past that helped me to work through things so i uh i don't have any actual training in the mental health field i don't consider myself to be a professional but i am an advocate for it and i'm a lived experience a uh, survivor of some of these things and so with my music one of my hopes is to connect with fans who are also passionate as much as they love uh, music and heavy metal. Um, I also want to find people who are passionate about issues like, um, uh, you know, working with um, suicide prevention stuff, mental health, any kind of movements like that. Sure. And I think that cool. pretty well, much thanks. sums me up. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I mean, um, that's definitely one of my, uh, the important subjects I like to touch on on this show, in addition to the uh, entrepreneur mindset musician uh, part of it, um, you know, I've I've said, you know mentioned in multiple episodes I've struggled with depression myself, and um, from it, it does sound like you have a, a you know a lot of empathy based on your experience, um, and I definitely you know I definitely share that from my experience having you know, suffered from dep depression and continue to, you know, as we said, go through the journey. It's, it's left me with, um, I, I would say massive amounts of empathy for other people, but let's, let's touch on your music, um, first, uh, and get into that. Sure. Um, how did you actually get into music itself? Um, so decide to play, play instruments and stuff like that. Yeah. So music for me would have been right about, 10 years ago this summer. So it's kind of cool. Things are uh, coming like full circle. Um, I would have been in high school mm -hmm. and uh, me and a couple friends, we, um, for us, we actually, we grew up on um, the video games, Guitar Hero and Rock Band. We grew up when that stuff got really, mm -hmm. really popular. And when we were in high school, that was huge. And that led us to want to pick up actual instruments and learn like those songs for real and those games. And then, uh, want to learn about how to songwrite that became like a real creative outlet for me more than like any other creative outlet that I had had before. So that became my favorite thing was like creating music. And then, um, the band kind of, you know, it can be hard, especially like in high school and everything, you know, trying to find a serious group of people to work with and everything. And from there, 
I found my way into uh, audio recording and, you know, growing up in this era where we have a lot of technology now to have, you know, home mm -hmm. studio setups and things like that. So I'm very into uh, that got me on a journey of just kind of making everything on my own. And then uh, here and there, I've done a few collaborative efforts with other people, um, both like who live near me and also people living like out of state. And we'll send each other, uh, you know, broadcast wave files and things like that and uh, put a song together, kind of together without even actually ever being in a room together. So, Right. Yeah, that's that's something that modern day technology affords us the, uh, you know, ability to do. I never had that in high school. Yeah. You know, I, we, we, we recorded all our stuff on a, on a cassette deck. Yeah. So um, that's that's great. Um, so. What is your what what is your goal for your music then in 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 broad terms? Um, so you mentioned you mentioned like the advocacy, but what I mean, do you have a a, a more specific goal or? Um, I would say uh, I, I mean in terms of my music, like uh, this to me is a lifestyle and it's a career. So it's kind of I feel like there's like there's jobs that people do just to kind of get by mm -hmm. to make some money here and there. Then there's a career that's um, maybe a step up from from the job. And then I feel like a lifestyle is when it's like you're really uh, living something and, and um, you're working in it and you're also living it and you're really loving it, like full circle. So the goal for me sure. is um, really to, uh, to move towards this as just a, a lifelong thing. Um, I always mm -hmm. want to be um, pursuing connecting with more fans and uh, having fun releasing music and being a creative person. And then I feel like part of my niche market, speaking a little more in like the business and marketing end of things is uh, I feel like I want to connect a lot with a fan base of people who in this um, mental health realm. And I guess I could also say mm -hmm. for me uh, growing up, um, I'll get into this one real quick. You know, just in the last couple of years, um, Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park passed away. And he was a big influence on me growing up. Uh, that late 90s and early 2000s era of music, even before Guitar Hero and all that, I just remember listening to that stuff. And that was the first, my first experience listening to music that was just on the radio and that I found myself on the radio or MTV rather than it being like my parents' music. So, I was a big Lincoln Park mm -hmm. fan, and um, when Chester passed away, that was hitting right at the same time as me um, struggling with things myself a lot, and that just felt very, um, like, I, I felt like I saw a real, kind of like, it was a really rough time for me, and um, I know a lot of, like, Lincoln Park fans, and, you know, the whole music industry, we had Chester and we had Chris Cornell, those two right around the same time, right. too. And um, I think it got a lot of people uh, thinking about, you know, mental health more. And for me, it was hitting at such an interesting time because I myself was going through things and was uh, uh, headed towards uh, starting up counseling in, uh, you know, right around that same time. So for me, it's kind of opened this doorway into, for me, it's more than just about being a creative metal musician now and connecting with fans, but also connecting with a fan base that is to me, I just saw there was this huge like outpouring of interest from fans and musicians alike after those two um, 
deaths with uh, this interest in mm. mental health awareness and advocacy, suicide prevention. You know, um, Chester, I know, from what I understand, had uh, suffered from some abuse in his past growing up as a child. And that very well may have played into, uh, caused him to struggle with a lot of depression, a lot of um, things that led him to suicide. So sure. for me, it's become like my goal is just to kind of network with a fan base that's passionate about that stuff. I want to reach all those, I want to reach other people like me who have been touched by those issues and who were so moved by, uh, you know, the unfortunate, you know, uh, passings of like Chester and Chris Cornell. So just anyone who's in that little niche of passion for music mm. and uh, mental health. That's uh, I'm looking to just connect with those people more. Right. And just to touch on that. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't so much a Linkin Park fan, but um, Chris Cornell, that hit me really hard too. Yeah. That, that was, that was a really tough time just because, and, and it wasn't that I was, um, necessarily a, you know listening to Soundgarden or Chris's stuff all the time it was just the um for me it was the emotional connection with his um not even the the lyrics themselves just the the way he emoted the music um I just felt that it, it, it you know that's the beauty of of music you just have this deeper connection with certain artists and you can't even explain why it's just you know when when he passed it was like wow you know it just affected me so much just because of the the depth of the music and the feeling of it so mm -hmm. yeah i can i can really understand that um, yeah so you know moving on what what would you say your main strategy is to achieve your goal would be yeah in terms of like a plan of action you know uh speaking a little more in like marketing and business terms um just in the last year, I've actually gotten involved with, uh, there's an online school called the Savvy Musician Academy. And um, are yep. you familiar with that one? I, I'm very familiar with that. Yeah, I've met, I've met, um, I, I've never done the actual academy itself, but I've, I'm a member of the, fa the free Facebook group. And I've definitely um, had some good luck networking with people on that group. And it's, it's a pretty, uh, pretty decent, um, you know, a community there. Um, I don't necessarily agree with all of the stuff that Leah puts out. You know, there's there's some things I kind of go, eh, I'm not really sure that would work. I mean, it's maybe it's just it wouldn't work for me. But yeah, I mean, it's a it's it's a big um, you know, there's a lot of good stuff, a lot of good content in there. Yeah. So how, I mean, are you are you a member of the actual like the actual course itself? Yeah. So they have, um, and even I'm still new to it, but. Uh... The first course I took with them was uh, they have like two big courses from what I'm learning. Mm -hmm. uh, they have uh, a course called the online musician. And then from that, there's a bigger course called um, the elite program. And I forget the official name for it, but I know it has the word elite in it. And that's like the next level up from that. And then they have sure. some other like uh, uh, less expensive and smaller like mini courses. And I've kind of started out just with mm -hmm. the mini courses, so I haven't even taken the full okay. programs yet, but um, I definitely want to. So I took a class called uh, Facebook for Musicians, which is like a mini class they offer specifically teaching on building a Facebook page and then a Facebook page and also a Facebook group for once you build a fan base, 
try to create a community. So like for me, a community might be, uh, my Facebook group is going to have a lot of stuff with uh, heavy metal and uh, mental health. And sure. so I took the uh, Facebook class and then I've also taken a class that they just put out. Um, I was one of the first people to get in on a Spotify for musicians class. So it's, uh, yep, I did see. Okay. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I've, um, I'm in that one. And basically for me right now, I'm kind of studying a lot of that, uh, the stuff with the Savvy Musician Academy. And I think I'm still just trying to carve out my niche. Like, um, definitely I'm coming from a, like I, I listened to uh, one of your other podcasts uh, earlier today. You had uh, Mindset X, I think was that group. Yep. Yeah, so I listened to that Thank one. You, Steve. And, um, you know, I'm uh, 26, so I'm coming from a bit of a younger generation where the technology is a mm. huge part of it, and I'm kind of growing up in it. So for me, right. um, it's kind of funny, like, to each their own with uh, how they want to do things. I think I'm kind of approaching things maybe less as a traditional like touring musician and rather I think I'm more interested in uh, almost at least right now almost operating more as like a content creator where like everything Mm -hmm. is I'm kind of a purely a social media based band you know being only one person I'm not really even in a position to uh, perform live like with a group or anything you know but I can always be uh, doing live streams and share taking people basically inside my little home studio setup and showing them what I'm working on and uh, doing live streams and stuff like that. Um, I mostly go on Instagram for that and I can connect Mm -hmm. with people that way. So yeah, for me, it's a lot of technology right now and specifically um, pulling from stuff that I learned right now, just from the Savvy Musician Academy. And then uh, there's some other courses as well, like from other, uh, entrepreneurial types and things like that that I would love to take as well on like subjects like YouTube and things like that and just trying to learn for me kind of how to connect with fans online and um, obviously the mental health portion and the music and all of that but for me also as a business person wanting to um, you know learn how to really uh, trigger the algorithms on social media platforms and streaming services mm-hmm. to get myself to um, be able to sustain myself, you know, financially. Yeah. I mean, and that's actually how we met on Instagram. Yes. Um, and, and the reason being is I've started experimenting with Instagram. Uh, and like you said, it's, it's about uh, trying to, trying to trigger how the, the uh, algorithms pick up on your content because I feel a lot of people try and just expect, they kind of expect, I'm going to throw up a few pictures and do that every day and maybe get a little bit um, smart with the uh, hashtags, but nothing happens. But what you really have to think of is, well, that's just basically throwing flyers out into the wind. Mm -hmm. You know, it might stick to a couple of people's windscreens, but it's not really going to do much. But if you go on there and you start following people that are, um, you know, potentially your fans, like for instance, my band, um, you know, I've started following the followers of other bands in our area mm-hmm. in the kind of the genres that we, we operate in. And I found that the, um, um, the amount of exposure our posts are getting has grown exponentially just because I view it as showing Instagram's algorithm 
who to show our posts to. And the only way to do that is to start following them, have them follow back. And then like I, like we met, I was doing this for the podcast, my, my Instagram account. And, you know, I followed you, you followed me back and I sent you a message saying, Hey, thanks for following me. This is what I'm about. Here's the link to the podcast. And then, you know, that's how we ended up getting, you know, talking. Um, and, and, and I think that you, you kind of, you know, maybe in, in, in a year's time, Instagram's going to change and you'll Mm -hmm. have to figure something else out. But right now that's how it works. So I think, I think that's one of the biggest things is adapting to the change. Facebook itself is always changing something. (laughs) Um, so you kind of can't, can't be, um, too, uh, you know, bent out of shape Mm -hmm. when they change something and the strategy you used for the last couple of weeks isn't working anymore. So it, it makes it tough, but that's that's just the nature of the beast. Yes, it is. So yep. Well, cool. Um, so if you don't mind, let's delve a little bit more into the uh, the obstacles that you've overcome. Um, you know, you I guess you you're very fortunate that you decided you went into counseling and um, you know, you've been able to kind of move yourself forward and continue the journey in a positive way. Um, I mean, what would the catalyst have been instead of you know, some, some people, unfortunately go down a dark path and, you know, they do end up doing the worst thing or, you know, continue, as you say, continuing the cycle of, mm-hmm. of violence or, you know, whatever else the situation might be. But what, what was the catalyst of, of saying, I'm going to improve myself and stop the cycle or, you know, get out of this in, if, if that's the way. So, um, it started for me, uh, having, just like wanting to know, like uh, with, with my uh, my father um, being who he was, he was um, a very troubled person. He meant well, but he was very troubled, and so there was mm-hmm. a lot of like a lot of yelling and a lot of threats and stuff like that in my house growing up. It was a you know scary environment to be in. I think I mm-hmm. always had enough ties with friends outside of the house, I was always able to, like one thing I would say for me is definitely what's helped me through it is uh, immediate family, I guess to sum things up, like bloodline family for me hasn't really been able to be much of a a place for me to turn to, but rather I've always had um, friends and the ability to go outward and meet other people who would, who I could connect with and I kind of made a lot of good, like, outside. And um, I would also say my mom, too. You know, she did a good job of trying to help me to get uh, opportunities to get away from the mess going on at the house. She uh, did a lot to try to protect me. So I had a lot of outside influences from a young age. As much as at home there was a lot of struggle, there was also always outside, like, seeing other people's, um, you know, having friends and, uh, you know, going and doing sleepovers at friends' houses and stuff like that when I was in, you know, middle school and elementary and stuff like that. And so I always had, like, that outside help. And then, then, like, getting into uh, college and everything, I had a couple of um, psychology classes where I got to learn a little bit more about, like, hmm, okay, this could be what's going on with dad and all that stuff. For me, um, somewhere in there, and it's – hard like trying to sum it all up very quickly but you know 
as much as I knew there was a part of me that knew what dad was doing was wrong and not to get too uh, wrapped up in it. At the same time, when you live with something day in and day out, like in your house, it's like you start to believe it. So it kind of drove me a little bit, just kind of crazy living with it. Um, the short story of my father, he actually, he passed away. Uh, it was not a suicide. It was, um, uh, he was diabetic and had some other health problems going on in his later years. I think that caused him to be even more um, just angry with people in general, partly just because he himself was not physically feeling well. So things just got worse and worse with sure. him. He passed away. And then I was kind of left after that was all done. It was uh, it was a kind of a sudden passing. And I was just like trying to like take it all in. It was a lot to take in, like trying to like make peace with all this stuff. Um, somewhere in there, I got um, connected with um, AFSP, which is the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. I started to volunteer over there. This was kind of post-college and uh, trying to figure out my life um, with uh, career and stuff like that. And it was like, well, maybe just do some volunteer work too. Um, I wrapped up college. My dad passed away. All that happened right at the same time. Um, I got involved with this suicide prevention group. I was like, okay, that's kind of tied in with mental health stuff. And it, uh, it just felt, you know, it, it felt like something that I should connect with. Um, so I got involved with, uh, my local AFSP has, um, they're a national group, but they have like state chapters within the United States. And so I got involved okay. with um, my local chapter and we have a whole uh, committee of people within the chapter who organize events to um, bring people together in the community who have been affected by suicide in some way. And some of the events that we do, we will um, try to, we will bring in like resources like uh, licensed therapists and things like that to be a part of the events and be there to connect with some of the people who come to these events, these uh, mm. fundraising events and everything. And, you know, people may be searching for help with, uh, from counseling. For me, I always was, I think I was always like, well, I talked to my friends. I'm okay. Maybe I don't need the counseling. It, it costs money. I don't know. I always had an excuse, but after a while for me, I started to realize that I was feeling more and more just, I was having really bad nightmares about things that had happened with my father. Like it was following me past his death. Just, I was still struggling with things. My friends could be, uh, they could be helpful. They could, uh, kind of give me a shoulder to cry on, but they didn't really know what I was going through and tying in with AFSP, just being involved with that group. I was like, you know, I think it's time I really take the leap into I think AFSP was a way for me to almost like court the idea of meeting people in the mental health world and kind of meeting some counselors and like, should I, do I actually want to try to go to counseling? I think I was always a little on the fence for some reason. And, um, but ultimately I reached a point where like, I just felt like crap. I felt suicidal and I didn't, the, the, the shoulder to cry on from friends was not enough anymore. I really wanted, I really needed you know, looking back on it, I needed to talk to someone who was really um, 
like clinically uh, like licensed and everything mm -hmm. and really knew how to deal, help someone like me who, you know, my story is to put, you know, some quick labels on things. You know, I was dealing with suicidal ideation. I was dealing with kind of grief from a recent death. Um, mm. I was dealing with, uh, you know, it had been emotional abuse in the past and some domestic violence growing up and getting into finally I decided to go to counseling. I was like, you know, I'm going to practice kind of what, like practice what we preach here in AFSP. I think I really am someone who needs to go to a counselor. So I did that in like January of 2018. And I uh, got on psychologytoday.com is uh, the resource that I used. I went on there, put in a zip code and was able to find a whole list of counselors in my local area and uh, connected with one that sounded like a good fit for me. And uh, actually made a couple of phone calls to a few different ones because another friend had told me uh, to be a little bit, uh, you know, choosy, like try to find a counselor who you mm -hmm. feel like you can relate to, talk to him on the phone, go for a session. If you can, you know, not every counselor will be right for every person. Everyone's different. So find someone you can relate to. I found someone not too far from where I live, got into uh, counseling. And from there, um, the counselor basically just helped me to really pick things apart and helped me to understand like what I was going through. Um, she basically, to put a label on me, she said, I would say you have a bit of a, uh, she said, I would call it like a generalized anxiety disorder. And she, she basically told me she wasn't going to treat me in my case with any kind of medication. Rather, she um, wanted to work more on a skill set and uh, what's called cognitive behavioral therapy, which is a lot more like I had grown up in a certain um, just I grew up in like a certain survival mode in the house that I was in. Mm. And so I missed out on a lot of more. Um, uh, I learned how to survive in that environment, but I didn't have, uh, you know, that was messing with my ability to live in, you know, the bigger world outside of that after it was all, after that was all behind me, I was still struggling to kind of go back out into the rest of the world and like fit in, you know? So she was sure. helping me to um, kind of just work through things. I would tell her things that I was feeling and she was able to, helped me to put my mind at ease about a lot of things I was struggling with. And I guess like my takeaway from it, I would say is like, I think it's great to be able to talk to family and friends, um, have a real conversation with anyone about mental health stuff. But for me personally, I can definitely say that um, I really, I really started to really make a turnaround in the right direction once I took the steps to start actual counseling, to really meet with someone who was uh, someone who could, who taught me all those labels, all this stuff like mm -hmm. continuum of violence, emotional abuse, domestic violence. Like some of these terms, I didn't even, I personally didn't even know what some of them were like. Um, and she was able to shed a lot of light on these things. And she's like, that's what I think you're going through is, is something like that. And, when she would explain it to me, like, okay, like it kind of just helped me to understand what I was thinking and feeling. And, um, more and more it gave me like, um, 
uh, a lot of hope and a desire to want to um, just push forward with like my passion, which is music and the, uh, the suicide thing is really, really like, um, you know, I was very much feeling like I was headed that direction. I came very close. I was, you know, writing suicide letters and things like that. Really like the ideation part of it was a thing for me with counseling. Mm. It gradually started to, there were times when it would go down for a bit, then it, I might have a peak again, but then my counselor and I would talk through it. We'd always manage, I'd always get through it. And ever so gradually, mm. like the risk has just been going down and down. So I'm doing a lot better now. That's really good to hear. Well, thank you for sharing all that. That was, that was excellent. Um, and yeah, I, I can share, definitely share, a, um, the experience with, uh, seeing a counselor and, uh, as you said, it's one thing to talk to family and friends about problems, but you can't really make sense of it unless you're, you're picking everything apart. Mm -hmm. At least that's been my experience. You know, a counselor definitely helped. Okay. So this is this, this part is this. And then you start to put the puzzles together. Um, you know, and have you, have you found that once you've gotten through the, the, the jigsaw puzzle part of it, that talking with strangers and, and talking openly, like on a podcast, um, I mean, it's been my experience that once I've gotten over the hurdle of keeping my feelings inside and saying, oh, I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm too proud to kind of say that I'm, I have anxiety or I have depression, but once I was able to get over that and say, you know what, it's, it's a problem. It's not like a, you know, no one's going to judge you for it. It's, it's, it's really a, a matter of, you know, opening up about everything. Mm -hmm. But once I started doing that, I found it extremely cathartic to be able to share with people say, you know, what, this is the problem. And, you know, s start to that. That's why I've added this, you know, made this part of the podcast is I really want to show people that, you know, if you're going through something, it's not, it's not this big uh, stigma, right? It, it, I mean, so socially it is a stigma, but that's the point it needs to be eradicated so that people don't feel like, Oh crap, I can't talk about it because it's, it's embarrassing. It's like, no bullshit. It's, mm -hmm. you know, something that has to be worked through, go see someone professional. And in my case, I do need medication because my, whatever reason, my brain chemistry, you know, it needed that. But you know, I'm, I, for the longest time since my teens, I, vowed never to take medication for that but once i did um it was the best thing i ever did because it completely changed my outlook on the world mm -hmm. you know absolutely completely and then i came off it just recently and i had a really bad experience and you know you know what back on it sure it's just not worth it mm -hmm. so but yeah thank you so much for for sharing yeah that. thank you um and I, what I normally ask people is, uh, what does playing music mean to you? But obviously, um, it's it's pretty obvious it's going to be an outlet for you. Yes. It's it's, it's very it must be very cathartic to put all that stuff into a, you know, musical format and saying this is me. And then, but I mean, maybe you can you you can elaborate on that a little bit more and and just talk us through the process of of getting the uh, the negative feelings into into music. Okay. Yeah. So for me, um, I definitely like, I lean a lot more on the, uh, the minor key. 
from a music theory standpoint. I love the minor keys because they've got that aggression to them. They have that angst. Um, for me, especially in heavy metal, they they do so well with the, uh, especially when they add in like the, the devil's interval and the half steps and uh, that really, really um, aggressive sound. For me, for one thing, just from a scale perspective alone, from a music theory perspective, the minor key and um, harmonic, melodic, and natural minor scales, those right there, just those notes alone on any one of those scales mm. is right away just the, the, the way that it, um, it gives all, those sounds give off an emotion that I, I feel like resonates with, you know, the frustrations that I've felt. And so right away for me, the writing process definitely starts in the minor key for a lot of songs. And, um, okay. Yeah. So, and I do have like some theory background, so I do uh, tend to think of things. When I took like guitar lessons growing up, um, I uh, had one teacher in particular. He taught me a lot with uh, chord progressions and scales and that sort of thing. And obviously, you can break those rules too. But for me, mm -hmm. it was nice to learn them because it helped me to, uh, you know, no longer was it just picking up an instrument and, uh, you know noodling around and trying to just find something that sounded like what I was feeling. Now it was more like I had a bit of, uh, you know, some textbook knowledge from theory that would say, you know, if you play, you know, this minor scale, if you play these notes in this way, like you're going to get a very dark sound. You're going to get a very, um, it can be sad. It can be dark. It can be, and like the minor key too, it can be a lot of things. You can put distorted guitars on it and make it, heavy you can make it scary or aggressive you can make it really um like even lincoln parks music you know when when uh, people were doing covers of it after chester passed away and they stripped some of the heavy songs down they're very metal but when people would strip them down to just piano it was also very much like a a sad song it was a fitting like ballad almost to tragedy and the sadness that we as fans were all feeling uh from his passing so the minor key can definitely be a place and for me as a writer and as a listener that holds a big part of the meaning for me right away with um that uh that those notes in a minor scale for mm -hmm. sure and then um from there like my writing process is normally at this point, I will start a lot of times with a, uh, a drum beat, kind of referencing like my Nine Inch Nails interest and that sort of thing. It's kind of starting with a drum machine, you know, starting with some MIDI drums in my uh, recording setup. I use uh, Mixcraft for my recordings. And then from there, I'll start to, once I have like a tempo and a beat in mind, then I can start to go in with that scale. And I will sort of ask myself like, um, am I going to pull the drum beat out once, uh, I'll normally use the beat just to keep time as I'm, uh, either programming keyboards and stuff like that, or if I'm recording actual guitars. And then, uh, sometimes if it's a ballad, maybe I'll take the drums out completely. They're just there for timing. Then I'll take them out at the end and, um, mm -hmm. it'll be more of a ballad. It'll be, if it's more of a sad song, maybe. But if it's more of an angry song or a real fierce song that represents that, um, 
uh, like, like when, for me, like when my mind would race with uh, fears or, you know, like when I had a nightmare, it was a very scary thing. It was a very anxious thing. Um, being able to put a drum beat behind the minor key and lots of distorted guitars, mm. that could create something that's very aggressive. And for me, it's all that, um, like arrangement is a big part of it for me. Like, do I want it to sound for figuring out what kind of feeling do I want to give off? You know, do I want the arrangement to, if I use distorted guitars, if I use a lot of drum machines, a lot of synthesizers, I can create a really massive, aggressive sound that sounds like it's very intense. It's really coming at you. That could represent like a nightmare I'm having. Or I could also, if I'm like on a low point where I would be like, what's the point of life? Um, I could go in with just uh, softer synthesizers and just piano and that sort of thing um, and just program something and just start with like theory knowledge of like chord progressions again in the minor scale. And I could be like, okay, this can, this is an outlet for me to, you know, let out some of this hopelessness that I'm feeling, you know? Mm. Um, and I feel like I should also kind of address somewhere in here too, like, for me, it's kind of a learning experience still with um, liking to do the aggressive music. For one thing, I like listening to it, but also it definitely relates to my struggles. There's also a part of me, and I've had people say to me, you know, but does the aggressive music just like lead to more depression, you know? So... <laughs> For me, I'm always kind of struggling with that. I don't know what your opinion is on it, but for me, I'm almost like, huh, I kind of see what they're saying. At the same time, it is my outlet, though. So, Right. Yeah, I mean, my experience being a metalhead since I was 12, you know, no, absolutely okay. not. It's, you know, I, I think, um, you know, for me, that that was one of the, the things that kind of... Um, you know, you, you do hear it a lot from metalheads and it's, it's a, it's a community. You feel like you belong because, you know, I, I was growing up, I, I, the in, you know, internet was in its infancy. Um, I never felt like I fit in. Um, and then I started getting these magazines and listening to this music and, um, it, it was a place that, yeah, it just, I fit there. You yeah. know, I felt a, an affinity with people. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, you know, heavy music is a reflection of people's feelings. It's a reflection of their reaction to society. Um, but it's just fun to listen to. Oh, yeah. You know, there's yes. nothing like cranking your amp and hearing a distorted yeah. guitar at 11 and, mm -hmm. and just like, holy crap. Yep. That grabs you by the balls and it doesn't let yeah. go. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's always been an outlet for me. It's always been a thing that I just like... This, you know, if, if it's going down, are you familiar with Leprous? Um, I don't think so, no. No. Okay, so, uh, like Paradise Lost? Maybe? Yeah. Maybe another yes. band. Mm -hmm. So, I'm, I, you know, a lot of times, they're very emotive, doomy, uh, n you know, negative sounding. Um, there's, there's a lot of places, I, for instance, on, um, episode six of my podcast I, I interviewed bentney they're from boston they're a progressive band and their music is 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 heavy um but there's a lot of um 
how do I word this? There's a there's a lot of um, you know despair sounding emotions in their music in places, and and a lot of the stuff that I listen to when I'm depressed is I gravitate gravitate towards that, and at some point I have to say, crap. I need to maybe listen to some Satriani. You know, Joe Satriani's music has has helped me a lot because of the how emotional it yeah. is. And it's, um, you know, I, 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 oh, so, so going back to the thing about the, uh, aggressiveness, making more aggressive, mm -hmm. I can see that to a point because if I'm constantly listening to a lot of negative sounding, doomy, um, depressing sounding music, it does kind of push me in that direction a little bit in at some point. And then I kind of have to wake myself up and say, oh, I'm. I'm in a depressed mood. I'm struggling. I need to go get myself out of it. So I go listen to something else. But um, when it's just listening and, um, you know, listening to aggressive music, I, it's more of a, a feeling of, um, you know, it, it's more of an adrenaline rush than a, than a actual anger, I'd, I'd say, because it's it's powerful music. Um, and even though it sounds angry, it's it's really giving you that kind of uh, adrenaline rush more than anything else, I think, mm -hmm. unless you're in that mood. So I initially I did say no, but yeah, I can I can see if you're in the right frame of mind and you align it with something, then yes, it could push you down a further path. But in general, no, yeah. <laughs> as, a, as a as a broad statement. Mm -hmm. um, so. So great. Are there any other subjects you'd like to touch on or, or you know, um, do kind of a PSA for anything that you'd like to, to share with people? Um, so I just put out a new song. Uh, I released my music through DistroKid. So I just submitted a new song to them called Over the Edge. And Over the Edge is out on YouTube and Spotify right now. And I think it's also on Deezer. And it's going okay. to a lot of other platforms, and I know uh, they send me email notifications when it goes to other, um, as it goes out to each platform. And it kind of takes time with each platform, so I don't know where else it is. It might be on some others right now. I know that uh, DistroKid, I'm still kind of new to using them for publishing my music, and uh, still kind of getting the feel of all that, but it goes out to a lot of places, so uh, definitely look for my song Over the Edge. And, uh, okay. you know, I, I can be found on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube. And I, I think, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it coming soon. I have a domain name for brianhilliker.com. And as I rattle all this stuff off, you know, it becomes kind of confusing trying to promote all these things. So ideally mm -hmm. in the next, uh, I would say by the fourth quarter of this year, um, there's going to be brianhilliker.com. I'm going to get a website up and running basically so I can, you know, the next time someone like yourself asks me, you know, I can say, yeah, just go to brianhilliker.com. That will connect people with anything they want to click on, whether that's social media stuff, whether that's uh, my music and seeing which uh, distributors it's available on, you know. So that's me, basically music, uh, the, uh, the anywhere where DistroKid sells music, and um, social media platforms and coming soon, I, I will have a brianhilliker.com. Awesome. Yeah, normally I put um, a song at the end of the podcast. So um, would you like to 
put that same song at the end or is there another song you'd you'd like to play or? yeah i would say over the edge definitely over the edge well cool um and and just as, as the, we've touched on suicide and things like that i'd really like to um add some um you know resources um so if you if yeah the, if you wouldn't mind sharing the uh, the resources that you found really helpful just to you know reiterate them and and just say if anyone is having um any type of uh, mental health problems and struggling um what what are the places that you've found helpful yes um definitely so for me um living in the united states um i'm speaking purely just for uh you know resources here in this country i don't know what else there is you know when we get into uh podcasts that are online i don't know who else this goes out to like people in other parts of the world so i can't speak for other countries but here in the u.s for me speaking as a u.s citizen um the american foundation for suicide prevention can be a really cool place to connect with we have uh there's chapters all over the united states it's a national nonprofit organization you can go to afsp.org and you can get involved with the cause you can um join a a walk team they do a lot of um a lot of events they do chair they do um fundraiser walks and things like that and that can be a really great way just to connect with um other people who struggle if you have lost someone to suicide that can be um survivors we call those survivors of suicide so if you've lost someone you can go to an afsp event and connect with other people who have also lost someone. Um, what else? Like uh, they have resources at their events, like I mentioned, you know, so that can be a way to connect with a counselor. If you wanted to just talk to someone at a resource table at an AFSP event. And then also for me, the psychologytoday.com, that website, there's an area right there on the homepage. You can go to find a counselor, and type in your zip code and right away it's going to give you a list of like from the closest person to the furthest away person at the bottom just all these places it's going to list their credentials and you can start to uh like for me personally like i made phone calls to like the first five of them and from for me through just those five i was able to kind of weed out okay this one sounds really good this one didn't sound I didn't have any bad experiences, but I was like, this one really sounds awesome. This one might be okay too. This one's kind of far away. This, you know, and from that I was able to uh, break it down to um, picking one to go for my first session. And then from there, uh, for myself, I went for a, uh, a full year pretty much. And I still go from time to time so all of 2018 and for me it's not a sprint it's a marathon and that's a quote that i like a lot so for me whether it's music stuff trying to build my career as a musician or working with my mental health it's not a sprint it's a marathon so to me i'm never really like done with going to counseling or like cured or anything like that i just if i'm good i'm good but if I'm struggling, I'm not, I'm not afraid or ashamed to go back for another session anytime I need one. So I have that relationship with my counselor to where we went from doing twice a week to once a week 
to now maybe every few months, if something pops up in my life that's triggering me or that I'm struggling with, I can go in for a session. So, Well, th thank you ever so much for sharing all that. Um, good luck with your music. And, um, you know, obviously really happy that you, uh, you've come through your struggles and you're here talking to me today. Um, and with, with that, um, we'll end the, end the interview and thank you so much. Again. Thank you. Thank you so much to Brian for sharing and for you for listening. Please, please, please. If you are struggling with any issues with mental health, reach out to AFSP, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. You can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK, T-A-L-K, or 1-800-273-8255. You can also contact the Crisis Text Line by texting T-A-L-K to 741741. If you're outside the U.S., please call your local suicide hotline for help. Remember you're not alone. There is always hope. Every life matters. Every day you wake up is a fresh start. So with that, please enjoy Brian's track, Over the Edge. You're starting to 